0: Where Nobody Knows Your Name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a cheers podcast. My name is James. And I'm John. Today we're talking about episode 19 of season 4 Dark Imaginings.
1: Mysterious. When you saw this title,
0: what was your expectation, James? Uh, horror. I thought it would be like Diane's Nightmare. But it's not. It's much more profound.
1: You say that, it's somebody's kind of nightmare. But we'll we'll get into that a bit later on. Might be a nightmare for someone. So this episode was written by David Angel and directed by James Burroughs. He's back. Back to direct after his absence last week. This episode was released on the 20th of
0: February, 1986. I enjoyed this one. I think we've said that about every episode this season. There isn't one where we've gone, this one, not so much. It doesn't feel like there's any filler episodes. This season.
1: Each episode's kind of delved into another character, but it's, I don't know, it's just been quite a good character building season. I tell you what, though, this cold opening brings some of my favourite things together cheers and barbershop
0: quartets. Oh, I do like a barbershop quartet. I don't think I've seen one in real life, but I like the concept of them. <laughs> The rare breed, the lesser spotted barbershop quartet.
1: Nothing you mentioned. I don't think I've ever seen one either, apart from in in TV programs. Anyway, someone's got a dream to to be part of a barbershop quartet. That's of course, if, in fact, you're going to look at the bar, Newen. Who's going to want to be a barbershop quartet?
0: I would have thought Coach. Back when he was in it,
1: he would probably was in one. But it's Norm. Uh, he has a, a dream, a
0: dream of being in a barbershop quartet. Not only does
1: he dream, it, he gets to live it, James.
0: And this barbershop quartet comes in and they've lost a contest. Sad quartet. One of them quits. He goes, you've lost yourself a base. And then Norm comes in. Baritone? Is that that's the thing? Baritone is a thing, yeah. Is that a bass thing? Baritone is just above bass, I believe. I could be wrong.
1: Well, either way, they did quite a good rendition of... What song did they do? They do... Good night, ladies. Good night, ladies. I tell you what, that was baritone, chips.
0: But yeah, they did Good Night, Ladies. Not a song I'm familiar with. I've heard the Lou Reed version, which will go on our playlist, because I can't find the version they sang. So the Lou Reed version it is. And after that, they find out Norm is voice of an angel. <laughs> Night, Good night, ladies. Good night, ladies. Good night, ladies. We're going to leave
1: you now. Ask him if he wants to join the quartet. He says it's always been my dream to sing in a barbershop quartet. Uh, I'm touched. Then he goes, but I've lived that dream so by bucket list tick. Back to drinking beer. Should we head off into the main part of this episode, James?
0: I think we shall. We wave goodbye to the barbershop quartet and greet Sam's new date. And
1: what, what, I always forget what you call it, James. The misadventures of. of the erotic
0: what? misadventures with Sam Malone.
1: <laughs> this, this week is uh, definitely a case of that. Yeah. And Sam is with
0: who I think Diane says is a, a bit young for him. We're unsure exactly how all the characters are. We know Norm is mid 30s because he had his 35th birthday recently. I'd say Sam is probably approaching 40, would you say? Yeah, i yeah.
1: about that. She's, she's kind of a baby spice kind of. style
0: i guess you say dressed in pink yeah so she's what 22 23 years old maybe and they've been playing racquetball a nice exchange happens where sam was talking about how as you say they were playing racquetball and they were listening to some music and there's an exchange between sam bonnie and woody about the music they were listening to and sam forgot the name but it's one of woody's favorites woody loves them and again it Calls back to that conversation we saw earlier between Sam and Woody in their difference in age and how that affected their music tastes.
1: Yeah, and that that's kind of what the theme of this episode is. It's it's very much about Sam feeling maybe old compared to Woody. I think compared to Coach, he always felt very young spirited. He's considering he might be past the prime of his life.
0: But in that he's become the patriarch of Cheers. Because with Coach, Coach was always the senior member, not necessarily in terms of staff role, but age and wisdom. And now that coach is sadly no longer with us. Sam has taken on that role himself due to having to take it, basically.
1: It it kind of hits home even more when Bonnie starts to organise a date with Woody. Sam gets a bit jealous of... Which is a yes. new new thing we've
0: seen for Sam. Yeah, but I don't think Woody and Bonnie necessarily arranged it as a date.
1: No, they just got common interests in music and things.
0: Yeah, it wasn't necessarily Woody being duplicitous and sneaky. It could have been. From
1: what we know about Woody, that's not his sort of sensibility.
0: Yeah, I think he would have said to Sam that, oh, you know, I like Bonnie, could I do this? And he would have asked for permission, and I think in a kind of endearing way, because he also knows Sam quite well and would probably know that Sam isn't one to have a serious commitment to a woman. So off they go to play racquetball, Woody and Bonnie and Sam, feeling threatened by Woody, questions, why Sam and Woody never played racquetball together? And Woody went, it's because you're a little old-er. So he goes to play racquetball With him to prove that he's, you know, the better man, basically. And prove that he's, I suppose, what, more virile, more physically capable than Woody?
1: I think he still tries to think of himself as the athlete at the bar. In a lot of episodes, he kind of tries to hold that reputation.
0: Yeah. And I think comparing them to the likes of Norm and Cliff, he is. Mm. But Woody's, Woody's a young healthy man
1: yeah and what what we do see is we see the return back to the bar after they've played sam tries to walk it off they've had a good game sam is in dire pain and is trying to
0: hide it exactly and woody's going he won and he even made a little victory screen <laughs> to get that final point <laughs> but lots of people do that in tennis that's 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 how you play isn't it yes yes i think you get a sound meter up at wimbledon you, you'd be <laughs> cracking high decibels there <laughs>
1: Sam's way of sort of escaping this problem whilst also keeping his reputation is pretend he's so energetic, he's gone skiing and leaves the bar with a pair of skiing arms. And I think Woody's sort of like going, there's no stopping that guy. He's so energetic. You don't know what he's going to do next. And then he goes, look at him now. And it's Sam sort of crawling up the stairs. Then Sam's
0: gone AWOL. For the next few days.
1: Yeah, he's gone missing. And this is a bit out of character for Diane to be so openly concerned about where Sam is.
0: Sometimes she would just go, well, if it's his own foolish plan, then it's his fault and he'll get, you know, we'll let him get into trouble. You know, lay his own bed kind of thing. But in this one, she was genuinely concerned for his health. Yeah, so she started calling up all
1: of the skiing lodges to see if Sam had checked in or booked a room uh, and checked several of his like pseudonym names to see if he was there. He hadn't booked anywhere, which raised suspicions.
0: Yes, it is quite suspicious. Sam said he's going skiing. If I know anything of Sam, it's that when he's telling me he's going skiing, is that he definitely is. Diane
1: gives up on her hunt until she comes across some nurses in the bar. We're having a casual drink
0: anyway i've been at boston mercy for five years and i have never had a more relentless patient than i had today even though he was in constant pain he never stopped coming on to me god it's sam (laughs) that's where she learns that someone using one of sam's pseudonyms is at the local hospital boston mercy pretty sure sam does need some boston mercy (laughs) do you know what james this season
1: season four getting a lot of different locations (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's true we have had a bowling alley a hospital remember all the way back in season one there was only only one location
1: <laughs> so yeah the show is definitely going places so we see sam in a hospital beds looking a
0: little bit worse for wear we find out when he's had a hernia oh yeah i've never had a hernia not yet <laughs> um i might do it at some point in my life it's not something i'm planning to do it's it's not it's not on my bucket list but from everything i know of it it is very painful and there's an episode of friends where joey gets a hernia and he shows it to a child and it makes the child <laughs> cry that's how disgusting <laughs> Sam, sam's got
1: a, a hernia which could make a child cry even then he's still trying to prove his
0: um he's flirting isn't he, he at one point didn't he pull the strings on her back of a nurse's gown or something
1: Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that. It was quite a sleazy episode, though. Probably one of the sleaziest misadventures. A
0: sleaze ball marinara is what it was.
1: <laughs> but he does get tracked down by Diane, who arrives at the hospital. And Sam's initially quite uh, shocked to see her, and uh, tries to, again, try uh, to hide his pain.
0: Yes, and he makes up some excuse as to why he's in the hospital. Some young man thing, just like... <laughs> Diane, they're doing experiments on the sexiest men alive, and they asked me to come in. (laughs) I tell
1: you what, James, it might be time to talk about the B plot this episode, which is Cliff centered. It's Cliff arrives at the bar with a vegetable. As he normally does, he's very eager to show everyone his latest vegetable. uh, I don't know. His latest celebrity root vegetable. (laughs) And uh, he actually realizes how insane he is in this episode, and he starts to reevaluate his life. And in doing so, he has a conversation with Frasier. And I think a couple of episodes, Sam and Diane wanted to make Frasier feel like a proper psychologist again by uh, faking someone, uh, well, faking Sam's
0: mental state so that Fraser could diagnose and cure him. They should have just set Cliff loose on him. Just sent him to Cliff. Cliff has a bowel of issues. I don't know what exactly you could diagnose Cliff with, but there's a cocktail of things there. <laughs> a vegetable naming disorder. Uh, what, what I will say, though,
1: is uh, Frasier goes to charge Cliff 750 bucks. Cliff's response to it is he's had several of Mars' organs taken out for less than that.
0: It was several hours of psychotherapy and Cliff needed it, but apparently it didn't work. I really like
1: this bit because Frasier says it did in the world of good. And he goes, yeah, you think so? Well, I don't think so. And neither does Meryl Streep and holds up a coin on the cup." <laughs> the
0: thing is, Meryl Streep is still famous and still very active in her... Well, so this joke is still as relevant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if we return back to the A plot, Diane is in the hospital. She's she's come to see Sam and is trying to tell Sam that. You know, it's all right, don't don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, you're not old. And so what? People get old. That's what people do, Sam. Actually
1: this this episode is very fragmented, isn't it? Because Diane then bumps into someone who she knew, who she used to babysit, I think, who's now a doctor, and then he leaves the room and she goes,
0: I'm old and alone
1: in Boston, and
0: isn't that the spirit of <laughs> cheers?
1: and then and then we cut back to the bar and sam's returned to the bar and everyone's like you're back uh, and he says yeah he's fitter than ever and he's ready to take a keg out and lift a keg over his head and and he manages to can't remember all i remember is what he goes like yeah that's it and then like pats him on the back and his hernia pops back out
0: he goes hey good job sam and then sam's eyes t- <laughs> he's uh basically whatever he wanted to say we couldn't say on a pg podcast <laughs>
1: Uh, And then we're back in the hospital again. But this time, I'm pretty sure Carla's on the hospital bedside.
0: Yeah, Carla's coming in to try to make him feel better. And she brings him, I forgot what it's called, but basically it seems like some sort of back padding that her grandfather used when he came from the old country. I think it was quite a nice scene. There was quite a nice back and forth between Carla and Sam. And Woody comes into hospital crying because he he feels (laughs) like he's killed Sam. There's a brilliant line from Sam in reaction to this. Thanks for coming down. I really appreciate that. But you're, you're depressing the hell out of me. It may be better if you took off.
1: Yeah? You got it, Sam. Uh,
0: then eventually, Carla leaves. They have a nice flirtation of sorts, Sam and Carla, where they say when they get to, in their 80s, They should look each other up, which I thought was quite nice. I I really like the friendship between Sam and Carla because as the seasons have progressed, it's gone from Carla having an irrequited desire for Sam. And it's got to the point where because they both went as dates to the Tortelli wedding, Nick and Loretta, they kissed and they wanted to see what it was like. And they've come to the decision that it wouldn't work, but they still kind of have this flirtation with each other. And Sam in the past has acknowledged that he sees women more as conquests, but I think Carla's the possibly one healthy relationship with a woman he has, which is why I like it because she, I think they are good for each other, basically.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. And I think that infatuation she has with Sam and has had for a very long time kind of comes down here as well. when she says, like, even when you're 87, you'll still be a hunk to me, which I thought was like a a kind of nice dip back into it. And she's always been someone who supports Sam, even when he was trying to sell his jersey. She was there backing him in the corner saying someone's going to buy it because you're the Sam Malone. And she's always had that kind of attitude towards him. But anyway, she she does leave him in the hospital and Diane comes back in. And Sam's back at it again. It's uh, the sleazy misadventures.
0: Is that what you call it? The sleazy misadventures of Sam Malone? The erotic misadventures of Sam Malone. This is where he's flirting with Diane. He's, uh, (laughs) I may be old, but I still want women. And that's exactly how this conversation goes, basically.
1: An old person wouldn't be doing this. This is the act of a vital, strong young man. Who wants a woman? Who wants sex? Who won't get it?
0: That's when Sam kind of goes, okay, okay. And she leaves because she's like, yeah, you'll be all right, Sam.
1: Sam feels a bit better afterwards. and He feels uh, a, bit, a bit more sure of himself. Yeah. And then as this episode continues, even more happens in this episode, James, <laughs> because uh, Sam gets a new roommate in his hospital bed. No? hospital ward in the form of Jack Turner who's his new roommate and they have a good back and forth and they have a good sort of rapport he recognizes Sam as the baseball player which kind of folds into this yeah legacy but also what Carla was kind of talking about saying you're the Sam Malone and I think that inflated his ego a bit which
0: was what I really liked about his interaction with Jack Turner is that Jack had a hernia a couple of years ago and now he's in for another issue and with that Sam can glimpse his future. And it gives Sam a bit of hope because Jack is still energetic, still has this attitude, right? Uh, This kind of flirtatious attitude. And him and Sam are very similar in a lot of ways, except when a young woman enters.
1: (laughs) Which I think is the uh, final sort of uppercut KO moment, which really knocks Sam out and and makes him look hard in the mirror, I guess.
0: Sam and Jack talk about how they think that they're in better shape now than they were in their 20s and you know it's a bit of a male bravado thing but you know they're having this banter and then this young woman enters and jack refers to her as a term of affection i guess sam says a real sleazy line is she something (laughs) Sam? sure is
1: listen if you ever want to dump him you can make a house call on sammy here anytime you want
0: and this is where oh this is awkward john oh this is where jack reveals a bombshell do you want to reveal it this is Jack's daughter Ooh. which
1: which is kind of uh, a <laughs> they're both just looking at Sam as if he's well he is one of the worst people
0: you disgust
1: me <laughs> uh, and he just goes, it's right come on honey let let's look around and she just goes, nice to meet you, sir yeah,
0: I'll tell you what if the hernia didn't. yeah it's very much a look look in the mirror kind of moment that's how the episode ends not the mirror but sam sitting on a chair looking out of a rainy window at boston and he's old and alone in boston and it was a really profound ending for an episode of cheers the Mm. first time i watched this episode years ago i was like where's the punchline (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's the secret there is no punchline <laughs> why are you making me feel things but as the discussion with Ken Levine went a few weeks ago months ago months ago even that is you know the secret sauce of a good Story, particularly televisual storytelling, is not making it just about comedy, but making that emotional investment. And I was certainly taken aback. It hit me more than I thought it was seeing this. And in the past, as you've alluded to, Sam has been kind of idolized by characters in cheers and audience alike. And seeing this low hit him, and, you know, particularly in regards to earlier episodes of Don Juanism. They caught me off guard and was certainly something I was thinking about for a while after watching this episode. I couldn't have said it better, Jims. Now, we've known what you've all been waiting for. Here's the guest list for this episode. And let me tell you, it's, it's packed. It's a long guest list. It's, the, it's a guest scroll, John. <laughs> it's what this is. So let's walk through it. There's some interesting little-known facts in here as well. Firstly, Kelsey Grammer is Dr. Fraser Crane. As a given. Crane on the brain. He's there. Thomas Calloway as Jack Turner. He also appeared in Dallas, Hill Street Blues, Laverne and Shirley, The Jeffersons, MASH, ALF, Young Guns, Who's the Boss, L.A. Law, Murphy Brown, Murder, She Wrote, and many others. We've got Deborah Dalton as Nurse Louise. She also played Cassie Burns in Days of Our Lives and also has a career in producing, writing, and directing. Okay. This was a pleasant surprise. We had... Pamela Back as Bonnie. She also appeared in Knight Rider, The Fall Guy, Sirens, Baywatch, and Baywatch Nights. She was married to another well-known star from the 80s and 90s. Can you guess who it is from those titles? No, It's David Hasselhoff. She was married to David David Hasselhoff. I can't even say the words. I'm so surprised. Yeah. <laughs>
1: what?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, that's right. Bonnie from this episode was married to David Hasselhoff from 1989 till 2006. Wow. You learn something yeah. new every day. Snack on those facts. <laughs> Tim Donegan as Dr. McNeese or Steve McDonough. He also appeared in The A-Team, The Fall Guy, Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future, Murder, She Wrote, Beverly Hills 90210, Hearts of Fire, JAG, Diagnosis Murder, and many others. We also had uh, Christine Dickinson as Joan. This was her final film and TV role, but she also appeared in The Paper Chase, Taxi, and History of the World Part 1, among others. We have Lisa Weiss as Judy. She also appeared in Murphy's Law as Blonde. We had Jerry Fields as Nurse Brenda. She also appeared in Gunsmoke, The Brady Bunch, Chips, The Facts of Life, Different Strokes, The Jeffersons, and many others. And now, onto to the quartet. <laughs> we have James Klein as 139th Street Quartet Bass. He also appeared in Laramie, The China Syndrome, and The Electric Horseman. He also played part of a barbershop quartet in Night Court and caroler number one in Time of Your Life. We also had Peter Neuschel as 139th Street Quartet baritone. He also appeared in Night Court as a member of a barbershop quartet alongside James Klein and in Time of Your Life as caroler number two. We had Douglas Anderson as 139th Street Quartet first tenor. He also appeared in The Sweeney, The Bad News Bears in Breaking Training, and many others. We had Larry White as 139th Street Quartet second tenor. He also joined James Klein and Peter Neuschel in Night Court as part of the same barbershop quartet. There were some uncredited characters, if you believe it or not, John. (laughs) It was the first appearance of Philip Perlman, Rhea's father, as Phil. Thomas Babsom as Tom and Al Rosen as Al also appear. After all of that, all those facts about all those guests, I think that's the trivia bell. A question about the barbershop quartet. What does Woody request from them? A haircut, <laughs> a little trim
1: around the ears. In this episode, we find out some of Sam's
0: aliases that he goes under when he books hotel rooms. What, what names does he use? Lance Mannion and Honey Boy Wilson. Correct. Complete this quote by Mr. Cliff Clavin. It's true what they say, huh? That... psychiatr I don't know. There's a fine line between gardening and madness. (laughs) In line with that, what vegetable tips
1: Cliff over the edge and he realises that he's insane? Is it a turnip? It's a turnip that needs no introduction. Miss June (laughs)
0: Lockhart... What bands does Bonnie like? Yeah, uh, I know U2's one of them. I'm pretty sure Tears for Fears, and I can't remember any others. It's John Cougar Mellencamp and the Thompson Twins, of which you'll find in our playlist. And if you want to check out that playlist, it's Play It Again, Sam, the definitive cheers playlist, over on Spotify. That's the last call at the bar, James.
1: How, how are you feeling about this episode? Bit shaken. Yeah, especially with that ending.
0: Sam's old. Sammy's all grown up, John. <laughs>
1: what do you reckon we should have as a, a toast? What,
0: what should we drink into this episode? Barbershop quartets. And how would you define them with a drink? Sherry. And I'll tell you for why. Wasn't the Four Seasons a barbershop quartet of sorts? Of sorts, yeah. And they did a song called Sherry. They they did.
1: So we'll we'll go with that. After that long list of guests, I don't have time to change your mind. <laughs> what a lovely Sherry. We'll, we'll toast to barbershop quartets, right? We'll... Longingly look out the window, wistfully, as the rain pours down, the droplets bead a bead on the glass, and we'll say, Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. This has been a, a Cheers podcast, and it's been a very sad episode.